0: Um, as we enter into the Word this morning, we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4 and then also Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew 4, we're looking at verses 17 to 22 and Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. This morning, we are beginning a three-week series talking about discipleship. In today's message, we are talking specifically about the call of discipleship or God's call to his disciples. And when we talk about disciples, we are simply talking about people who have been called to follow Jesus or Christians And then calling is, in this sense, is God's summoning of individuals, God's summoning of people to himself so that they will belong to him and serve him in this world. In other words, it is the way that God calls his disciples or all people. So let us begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you have brought us together this morning to come and to worship you. We thank you for the presence of your Spirit, and we pray that your Spirit will help us to understand the words that you have given to us. We pray that by your Spirit that our hearts will be open and our eyes will be open, our ears will be opened, so that we may hear and be changed by your words. Lord, this morning we confess that we are a broken people. We continually struggle to live our lives for you and for your glory. And we pray that you will help us to be changed by your word and to be able to go out this morning and to live in our neighborhoods, in our communities in such a way that is glorifying to you and that some people will come to know you. Lord, we pray that you will create in us this overwhelming love because you have loved us tremendously. And we pray that that will overflow so that we may love our neighbors, that we may love our families, that we may love our friends, and that we may love complete strangers in such a way that you have loved us. And we pray that you will help us to live each moment of our lives for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Old Testament, we see that God has calling his people in various ways. We see this beginning with with Adam and Eve, those first people that walked with God. And God walked with them, and he spoke with them in the garden, and it was like wind as God spoke through the Spirit. And then with Noah and Abraham, they seem to have clearly heard God's voice When he spoke. And then with Moses, God spoke through, miraculously, through a burning bush. Then later in the Old Testament, we see God speaking through his judges, his kings, and his prophets. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But, In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And then, after the Old Testament period, there was this 400 years of silence. The book of Malachi ends with this final prophecy about the next time and way that the people would hear God speak says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Then Jesus makes it clear in Matthew eleven fourteen 14 that John the Baptist is the return of Elijah. Jesus says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is... Elijah, who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. John the Baptist, then, he prepares the way for Jesus by prophesying and preaching the same message that we are going to hear from Jesus. And then at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he begins preaching the good news, the gospel message, And he says to people, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then immediately, Jesus begins to call upon his disciples. He calls upon them to follow him. And why? Because Jesus wants to call his disciples to himself, so that they may belong to his Father and to serve him with their whole lives. And this is where we will begin. For the next three weeks, we'll be talking about discipleship. And this morning specifically, Jesus calls the disciples. And we'll see this in two ways, that he first calls them to repentance, and second, that he calls them to follow him and to be with him. So let us look into Matthew 4 and Matthew 9, reading from God's Word, starting with Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. And followed him. Then Matthew chapter 8. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at a table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. But sinners. First, as we begin looking at this, we see that Jesus calls his disciples and he calls them to repentance. We see this ver- first in verse 17. Before he even goes to his disciples, he begins his ministry and he begins it from this time forward. It says, He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then the next thing we see in Matthew is Jesus is going to his disciples and he's beginning to call them to come and to follow him and to be a part of the ministry that he is beginning. However, it is a little bit less clear here as he goes to his disciples that he is calling them to repentance because he doesn't use those very words. However, this call that he says to his disciples, come and follow me, is a call of repentance and action. They aren't simply told to repent, but they are told to show their repentance by that, what they were to do. So what they were to do is to follow Jesus. To Simon Peter, he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And to Matthew, he finds sitting at at the tax collector booth, and he simply says, follow me. In each of these settings, Jesus is calling his disciples to leave their current way of life. Peter and Andrew, they... They are doing their jobs. They are fishing. They are collecting the fish and then they are going to be going to sell and he calls them away from it and he says, leave this way of life and come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And to Matthew, he calls to leave the tax collecting booth and to come follow Jesus. Each of these settings, Jesus says, leave your current way of life in order that you may follow me and take up a completely new way of life. Turn from the old and take up the new. Many say that repentance simply means to turn away from ourselves and turn towards God, to turn away from our own selfishness, to turn, away, to turn towards Christ and God's purposes. There are actually a couple of different Greek words used for repentance in Scripture. One of these words simply means to change your mind. However, the word that is used here doesn't just mean to change your mind, but it means to change your very purpose. To both change your mind and to change your purpose. This suggests that Jesus is calling his disciples Not simply to think differently, but to change their whole ways of life. One Bible dictionary says repentance consists of a true sense of one's own guilt and sinfulness, an apprehension of God's mercy in Christ, an act of hatred of sin, and turning from it To God and to a persistent endeavor after a holy life and walking with God in the way of his commandments. In other words, the disciples are to turn from their old ways and turn to God fully, seeking his ways and his purposes for life. And what is this purpose? Well, we find this clearly in our shorter catechism is it? it tells us what the primary purpose of man is. And it says man's primary purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So what the disciples were being called to, what we're being called to, is to leave our old ways and to take up God's purposes for life. And that begins with our whole life changing to be about glorifying God and enjoying him forever. So this leads us to this second call, which is the call to follow Jesus and to simply to be with him. In this passage, we see That Jesus calls his disciples to leave their current way of life, to leave fishing, to leave tax collecting, just so that they can follow him and spend all of their time with him. And our new purpose as believers in Christ is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we can't do this without being with Jesus. We can't glorify God and enjoy him forever if we don't follow with Jesus and be with him. So obviously here the disciples are called to literally follow Jesus. They walked with him every day. They learned from him. They slept where he slept. They ate where he ate. They were with him all of the time from this point forward. Their lives were consumed with following and learning from Jesus. So how are we today to follow Jesus? Frank Labach and Brother Lawrence are two men that tried to do this. They tried to put this in practice, and they journaled about this in a book called Practicing His Presence. I encourage you to take a look at that. You can actually Google it and find, find a PDF because it is such an old book. And, and you can read it there or you can get a small copy. It's, I think, super cheap, like $5. But it's a book that has both of their journals in it about how they tried to live every moment for the glory of God. They tried to live every moment of the day in God's presence. And on January 20th, 1930, Frank LeBocke writes, this is at the very beginning of his journaling. Although I have been a minister and a missionary for 15 years, I have not lived the entirety of every day, minute by minute, to follow the will of God. Two years ago, a profound dissatisfaction led me to begin trying to line up my actions with the will of God about every 15 minutes or every half hour. Other people to who I confess this intention said it was impossible. I judge from what I have heard that few people are really trying even that. But the year I have started out to live all my waking moments in conscious listening to the inner voice, asking without ceasing, what, Father, do you desire, said? What, Father, do you desire this minute? They're never successful in their attempts to spend every moment with Jesus. These men took up this value that valiant attempt on what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow Jesus as we are seeking after spending as much time with our Lord and our Savior as is possible. Probably for us, a good starting point after seeking to, to spend as much time in prayer with our Lord as we can. Another practical way we can find if we look at both the book of Hebrews that we've already looked at, together with the beginning of John and John 1.1. Hebrews says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And then John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so when we look at these two things together, we see that the primary way that God speaks to us today is through his living word. Therefore, if we want to know how to follow Jesus, if we want to know how to be his disciple, if we want to know what God's desire is for us in living our Christian life, we're going to find it in his word. We are to be consumed with God's living word. As Christians, we are supposed to be people of his word. And I don't know about you, but I often find it difficult to consume myself with his word. To spend very much time at all reading of the scriptures and letting it To to change me, to meditate upon it, to read it, to be consumed with his word so that it may change me. I find it very challenging. However, it's very easy myself to watch TV, to hang out with my family, to hang out with my friends, to go biking or hiking and spend time outside. And for most of us, it's very easy as adults to become consumed with our work. It is how we perceive the best way to be able to provide for ourselves and our family. And so we consume ourselves with doing the work. However, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, as disciples... We are to spend more and more time with our Lord. We are to be consumed with desiring to be with Him. And the truth is, without the help of God's Spirit, as Frank Labock's friends suggested, it is impossible to do this. But God's love and His grace and His mercy, they are always big. And so as we take on these efforts, as we try to spend more time with our God and we fail over and over and over again, God just loves us more. His grace abounds according to Scripture. So the more we fail, the more our God takes us in and he shows us his love and he shows us that he is a good father that loves us all the time and we get to experience God's love and his grace anew. A second way that we can practically follow Jesus today to spend more time learning and growing in him is to devote ourselves to the fellowship of believers. Acts 2, 41 to 44 says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon Every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. These were people who were first becoming a part of the early church. They heard the good news preached about Jesus, they heard about how he lived a perfect life and how he died in the place of the sinner. And that he was raised again so, so that, that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And they truly believed. And so what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the fellowship of believers and the breaking of bread together. This means that daily, these new believers, they spent time with other believers. They learned and they walked with them every day and they learned from the church and they hung out with them, the people, all the time. And then they celebrated the sacraments with one another. When they came into the faith, they were baptized. And then together with the other brethren, they participated and partook of the Lord's Supper. So practically, how do we do this today? I encourage you, if you haven't repented, if you haven't already turned to Christ, turned away from your own sins, turned away from your own selfishness towards Christ, I urge you to do so today. Again, repentance is not merely changing your mind. It is deciding that you are a Christian, but it is, a complete change of mind and change of purpose. It's changing who we are, and this can only be done by the power of Christ. And two, if you have already repented, but you have yet to be baptized into the family, I encourage you to talk to one of your pastors, talk to one of the staff members or, or one of the elders and ask how, how you can be baptized, how you can become a part of, of this, this family, this fellowship of believers. And three, join regularly in the worship of God. Join regularly in discipleship opportunities. This should always include Sunday worship, coming together together, and worshiping God together corporately. And it may also include a small group, a midweek group, the fellows class, another Bible study. Be a part of studying God's word together. Be a part of being together. One thing that I often hear from older members of the church, from from older members of, of previous churches, people from previous generations They talked about how they grew up in the church and they would talk about how whenever the doors of the church were open, that they were present. They would always come to church. Their parents would bring them for everything that the church did. And this was so much a part of their life that it made a tremendous impact. Now, this is certainly something that has changed today. It's different in, 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 in our generation for many of us, but I urge you to ask individually, to ask as a family, is this something that should have changed? Is it something that should be different today? Should we spend, spend, be spending less time in order that we can spend more time doing other things? Another way to regularly be with other believers is through your friendships, through your family, through living together with other believers. It's very helpful for those of us that are growing and and living and trying to follow Jesus to look towards an older person, a more mature person, somebody who has known Jesus longer than you and ask them, can I spend time with you? Can I hear your stories? Can I walk with you? Can I learn from you? Can I grow? And as we do this, as we spend time with these other believers, we grow. We learn. And we, we know more of what it means to walk with Jesus. Finally, one other practical way, we come to the we come to this table, the Lord's Supper. And as often as we are able, we celebrate together with other believers. We celebrate the gospel message. Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. And through the Lord's tubble, table, we visually and physically participate in this gospel message and we are reminded of our own sinfulness and how continually we need to repent, to turn from ourselves and turns toward Jesus and that we are actually desperately in need of Jesus. This table is not the table of Bat Creek Church. This is not a Presbyterian table, but it is the Lord's table. And he calls all who have turned away from themselves and have turned to Jesus to come to this table. Jesus shared this table with his disciples, his very disciples that he knew would walk away from him and in his very last moments. Of life. His disciples who would not be there through his challenging things, but his disciples that he knew, he loved and they loved him, that they would struggle, that they would struggle with faith, that they would struggle with understanding, they would struggle with their own sins, and in the same way he calls us to this table to share in it, even though we continue to struggle day by day. And he says to his disciples, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And if you are truly a believer in Christ, if you have turned From your own sins and turn towards Him, then you are encouraged, despite your struggles with sin, to come to this table. However, if you have yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have not come to a place where you believe and you call Him Lord, if you are unwilling to put aside your own sins and come to Jesus, then the Apostle Paul warns us, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of Jesus. So if you have yet to put your faith in Christ, we encourage you to not take of these elements, but simply to take this time and spend it in prayer, considering who Jesus is, if you know and understand, if you, if you are convinced that he is real, we ask you to put yourself, put your life in his hands and to accept him as Lord. And if you already have done that, again, we invite you to come, laying again your sins before Jesus and humbly coming to this table to celebrate together the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, you are an awesome God, and we are a broken people. We thank you for sending your son into this world to live and to die and to be raised, Lord, so that we may have life to the fullest. Lord, help us to continually lay down our sins before you. Lord, and we pray for your forgiveness. We pray for your grace and your mercy to abound, and we pray that you will help us to, to remember who you are as we come to this table, Lord, and that you will help us to remember who you are as we walk out these doors, and we seek to glorify you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.